Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now, Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Good morning, White Sox fans. I'm Jim Margulis, and this is your White Sox wake-up call for June 6, 2018. There's a lot to cover today, a lot to cover, and we'll start with the week's main event, the Major League Baseball first-year player draft. Tuesday was day two, covering rounds three through ten, and the White Sox cast a wider net than usual. Among the notable picks is third-round pitcher Connor Pilkington, that's Connor with a K. He's a lefty out of Mississippi State, and he was ranked in the 60s by Baseball America, MLB.com, and Fangraphs. The White Sox seemingly got a good value with the 88th pick, thanks in part to a poor finish for Pilkington this season. His fastball had reached 96, but now sits in the low 90s with a working curveball and changeup. He's got a big frame for a 20-year-old, listed at 6'3 and 220 pounds. MLB.com scouting report says he can improve with better conditioning. In other noteworthy developments, the Sox drafted two high schoolers in the first 10 rounds, which is twice as many as usual. They took infielder Lency Delgado in the 4th round and Cabrera Weaver in the 7th. Delgado is listed as a shortstop, but since he's 6'3 and 215 pounds as an 18-year-old, a move to third seems more likely. Nick Hostetler says he's got a big arm and big power. In the seventh round, they took Weaver, whose first name has been spelled Cabrera, Cabrera, and Cabrera across various sites. The press release goes with Cabrera and so will I. He's got big speed that should play well in center field, but the rest of his game is under development. He's got a commitment to Georgia, and so the Sox will have to buy him out of that. They drafted a couple of college seniors in the 9th and 10th rounds to free up some money. Running down the other rounds real quick, 5th round, Indiana University starter Jonathan Stever, a 3-pitch ready who throws strikes but maybe throws too many. 6th round, Wichita State ready Cody Hoyer, that's Cody with an eye. He had a shaky season as a starter for the Shockers, but his stuff could play up in relief. 8th round, South Florida lefty Andrew Perez, who throws a mid-90s fastball and a slurve out of the bullpen. Ninth round was Gunnar Troutwine, Hoyer's catcher at Wichita State. 
He's a senior who sounds like he's straight out of the Icelandic sagas with a beard to match. The 10th round pick Bennett Souza is also a college senior, but without such a hook. However, he is left-handed and has a good breaking ball, and that's always worth the small investment. The MLB draft concludes today with rounds 11 through 40. The White Sox figure to go over the pool limit with a few of the early picks, after which it becomes more about filling out an organization. You can follow it on MLB.com starting at 11 a.m. Central, and we'll have a draft chat on SoxMachine.com as well. As for the actual games, the White Sox opened a series against the Twins with a doubleheader at Target Field. They took a multiple-run lead into the eighth inning in both games, but they only won the second one, and even that was an adventure. The Sox dropped Game 1 4-2 thanks to a collapse by Nate Jones. He inherited a 2-0 lead after seven one-hit innings by Reynaldo Lopez, and he retired the first two batters he faced, but then he gave up four runs in a flash, a single, a walk, an RBI single, and then a three-run shot by Eduardo Escobar. Escobar had swung wildly at pitches out of the zone to fall behind 1-2, then got a center-cut 97-mile-per-hour fastball and turned it into a no-doubt blast. It spoiled a fine rebound by Lopez, whose stuff regained its life after a miserable outing against the Indians his last time out. He limited the hard contact, and while he issued four walks to four strikeouts, he was able to erase one of them with a pickoff. Yuan Moncada's fine afternoon was also in vain. He started the game with a solo shot on the second pitch, and then singled, stole second, and scored on a Jose Abreu double to account for both White Sox runs. The Sox, however, were able to salvage a split in the nightcap with a 6-3 victory. They showed no mercy to Zach Littell, who was making his Major League debut. He gave up a two-run homer to Abreu three batters in, and then three consecutive two-out hits for two more runs. Kevin Smith's first at-bat of 2018 was an RBI single that scored Tim Anderson, and Adam Engel drove in Smith with a double. That gave Lucas Giolito a 4-0 lead before he took the mound, and he made it hold up despite some wobbly moments. He limited the Twins to two runs on six hits and two walks over six innings, even though he only struck out one batter on the night. It could've, and maybe should've, been worse. Giolito issued both of his walks to the first two batters of the third inning, then Eddie Rosario came up and hit a deep drive to right, but Trace Thompson tracked it confidently enough to make both runners hold up. By the time he backed off and played the carom, the lead runner could only get to third, leaving the bases loaded. Miguel Sano then grounded into a double play on the first pitch to lower the threat level, and even though Escobar cashed in the remaining runner with a two-out double, the Sox still led 4-2 through 3. The Sox got those runs back because Littell returned the favor by starting the fourth with consecutive walks. Minnesota manager Paul Molitor pulled the plug and went to Matt McGill, but the runner still came home on a Yolmer Sanchez double to left center, one pitch after he failed to bunt the runners over. The Sox bats went quiet after that, but the pitching held up well enough to survive another tumultuous eighth inning, during which they used four pitchers. Jace Fry gave up a walk and a single before giving way to Bruce Rondon, who got a strikeout before giving up an Escobar double that made it a 6-3 game and brought the tying run to the plate. Rick Renteria then went to Luis Avalon, who had retired Max Kepler in Game 1 and did so again in Game 2. Then, Renteria went to Joaquim Soria to face righty Mitch Garver and mercifully struck him out on three pitches to end the inning. Soria waited until the ninth inning to have his problems. He retired the first two batters, then got ahead of Brian Dozier 0-2, only to plunk him in the arm with a curveball. Robbie Grossman then singled Dozier to third on the next pitch to bring the tying run to the plate, but Eddie Rosario grounded out to end the game. The White Sox improved to 19-39 with the split, while the Twins fell a half game further back of Cleveland. They're now 26-31 in five and a half games out of first place in the Central. The two teams will meet again tonight for the third game of a four-game series. It's Hector Santiago against Jake Odorizzi, and with Carlos Rodon traveling with the club and Giolito holding serve, 
This could be Santiago's last start for a while. Odorizzi's high fastballs baffled the White Sox early last time, but they eventually cracked him for five runs over five and a third innings. Daniel Palka took him deep, although you may remember that game better for Trace Thompson's walk-off homer and Yolmer Sanchez's self-administered Gatorade bath. Santiago struggled worse in his only start against the Twins, giving up eight runs on six hits and six walks over just three and a third innings. First pitch is at 7.10 p.m. Central on NBC Sports Chicago. Down in the minors, let's go the other way and start with Kannapolis because Luis Robert finally made his regular season debut in the States. He was expected to start the season in Winston-Salem, but the Dash have a very crowded outfield, and Robert is still in the process of removing rust, so the lower level worked out best for everybody. The Intimidators played a doubleheader, and Robert debuted in their wild 11-10 loss to the Hickory Crawdads in Game 2. He didn't factor into the fireworks, though, going 0-4 for with a walk and a strikeout. A quick rundown of his plate appearances. He tapped back to the pitcher, worked a walk, chopped out to the left side on a bang-bang play, struck out, and flied out to the warning track. Kannapolis play-by-play guy Trevor Wilt took videos of Roberts, and I posted them on SoxMachine.com. The real offensive star was Luis Gonzalez, who moved over to right field to accommodate Robert and went 2-for-6 with a double and 5 RBIs. Craig Didolo, Tate Blackman, Evan Skaug, and Justin Yurchak each had 2 hits, and Yurchak walked twice on top of that. Kannapolis also dropped the first game to Hickory 8-6, to as Wilkin Cannon gave up 3 runs on 3 hits in his only inning of work. One of those runs is unearned because the runner starts on second in the extra innings of minor league games. Yurchak had two more hits in the opener, including a triple. Reverting to the usual order, Charlotte beat Syracuse 4-1. Carson Fulmer threw six shutout innings despite four walks, but at least he spread them out this time. He issued a walk in each of the first three innings and tacked on another leadoff walk in the fifth, but he limited the other damage to just two hits while striking out three. Fulmer has an ERA of 2-12 over his first three starts, which is good. He's also walked 14 batters over 17 innings, which is bad. Birmingham lost to Jacksonville 2-1 as the Jumbo Shrimp limited the Barons to just three hits. Eloy Jimenez had his second straight hitless game, going 0-3 at the walk and a strikeout, so he sucks now. Zach Collins went 1-4 for with two strikeouts, and nobody else stepped up. It wasted a second consecutive strong start by Spencer Adams. He held Jacksonville to just one unearned run on six hits and two walks while striking out six. Winston-Salem beat Salem 6-5 thanks to a walk-off single by Alex Call, whose grounder back through the box deflected off the pitcher's foot to the hole on the right side. It barely left the infield, but Taekwon Forbes was able to score from second because the second baseman had to reverse course on the deflection and couldn't get there in time to make a strong throw home. Jason Irizarry went 2-4 for four with a double and two RBIs. Joel Booker hit a two-run homer, and Cohoes native Zach Remillard went 3-4 for four with a solo shot. And down in the Dominican Summer League, the White Sox DSL team lost to Baltimore's affiliate 9-5. The White Sox Dominican team is short on notable names because the White Sox were restricted to $300,000 bonuses in the recent signing period as they incurred a penalty from landing Luis Robert. If that's not enough, let's go around the league. As I mentioned before, Cleveland extended its AL Central lead, doing so with a 3-2 victory over the Brewers. Corey Kluber is now 9-2 on the season, lowering his ERA to 2-17 after seven innings of one-run ball. The Indians now lead the division by three and a half games over the Tigers, who were shut out by Boston 6-0. While Kluber picked up his ninth win, Max Scherzer became the first pitcher to reach double digits in that category. He improved to 10-1 as he struck out 13 in Washington's 4-2 victory over Tampa Bay. Three of those strikeouts came in an immaculate inning, and he threw 81 of his 99 pitches for strikes on the evening. And don't look now, but the Dodgers are back at 500. 
They're now 30-30 and after blanking the Pirates 5-0, and that's a remarkable turnaround considering they were 10 games under 500 as recently as May 16th. They're now tied for third with the Giants, but just one and a half games behind the Diamondbacks in the super-crowded NL West. That'll do it for this morning's White Sox wake-up call. Visit SoxMachine.com to see the footage from Robert's debut, and you can also join the discussion as we track the final day of the MLB draft. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at SoxMachine, and if you're new to the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to it on iTunes, Spotify, and the Google Play Music Stores. If you're feeling generous, you can help support everything Sox Machine via Patreon at patreon.com slash SoxMachine. Thanks for listening to the Sox Machine podcast. For SoxMachine.com, I'm Jim Margulis. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway, so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. At Zenni, we believe everyone deserves access to high-quality, affordable eyewear. That's why we offer stylish prescription glasses for men, women, and kids starting at just $6.95. Our online factory direct model cuts out the metal men, so you save. At Zenni, you get the same quality frame and lens options that you'd get from an optician for one-tenth of the price, including blue blockers, progressives, prescription sunglasses, and more. The best part? Try on any frame, anywhere with our 3D virtual try-on. Zenny.com. Eyewear for everyone.